Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 19 of Robot Radio. This is Greg Stanwood along with Andrew Martin. And we uh, are entering, or we're about to enter rather, a little bit of a uh, tight spot when it comes to our roster and the pitching rotation. Jorge De La Rosa has now had two rehab starts with the Colorado Springs Sky Sox, and both of them have gone pretty well. No, it's, um, it's good to see that he hasn't been walking every other batter, because honestly, just falling out of the Major League groove and having to take time off, especially such a weird um, ailment, was uh, had me just completely worried about uh, his control just completely falling apart. And it appears to have not ha- that his control hasn't fallen apart, which makes me just endlessly happy. Yeah, he's. Uh, let's see if I have the stats here. Uh, I don't have the number of innings pitched, but I think it's probably somewhere like eleven or twelve. And uh, I'm almost there. He's got. Uh, again, obviously, wins don't matter at the major league level, let alone the minor league level. So I'll skip that. Um, but he he's looked pretty good. He's been striking people out. He's been not walking people, as you already mentioned. And I believe if I – I mean, I wasn't paying complete attention to the broadcast today, but I think they mentioned they were going to give him one more rehab start. Which uh, should be which, wise. He's pitched 10 innings so far in Colorado Springs. He's made two starts. He has a one-on-one record, which, like we mentioned, doesn't really mean too much. But for those interested, the thing that I'm curious – you know, that I think is important is he hasn't given up a long ball has 10 strikeouts to one walk. Mm-hmm. I do think we should give him one more start just to be absolutely sure, because it's not as if anybody is, you know, posting a consistent seven ERA right now and needs right. to be demoted. Mm-hmm. So he's not really forcing our hand. So let's hang on to him for one more start. I'm trying to look at the schedule right now and calculate exactly. Let's see. He'd be starting on July 2nd, which means one, two, three, four, five. He'd be good to pitch on July 7th or 8th or somewhere around there. That's fine by me. Which It's a little awkward because it only gives him one start before the All-Star break. Um, Would you rather give him two before the All-Star break or what? Well, it almost makes me wonder if we should just let him have two more rehab starts and then call him up uh, after the All-Star break. I mean, that gives more time for stuff to happen for us to figure out exactly where. I mean, it gives, for example, Cook and Shasin both a little more time to make their cases. And if we give if we give him one more rehab start as well, then we can schedule him for another one, and then we don't have to go through with it if something drastic happens, like what, like Cook or Chasin, both either one of them has an absolutely terrible start and force our hand. Then we can call De La Rosa up, uh, you know, early and just skip the extra rehab start. But right. it's not as if he's been out for a million years. I mean, it's been a while here, but yeah, he he's, hasn't missed a full season. He's almost lost his Type A free agent status. Uh, we, uh, I would like to hang on to that if possible. Yeah. Um, you know, if he comes back strong, he's not going to have a problem uh, resustaining himself. It's just having been on the DL now for you know almost two months. Uh, he will uh, have had some. Uh, I mean, he his, his uh, uh, what's the name of that uh, ranking? Elias uh, yeah, will have uh, has has just diminished quite a bit. So, well, I've seen the formulas that they use to rank players. And it just makes me sad, considering how much that uh, um, the Elias Sports Bureau's free agent rankings will affect the free agent market during a given offseason. It's based on some pretty weird stuff. Like, they lump first baseman with outfielders and they do. such. And, then, and, and third then, baseman with second baseman and shortstop. And, and none of it makes – I mean, I can see ranking, link, blah, blah, lumping third base with second and shortstop, sort of. But I'd almost rather <clears throat> lump uh, shortstops and center fielders 
Yeah. And then left fielders and right fielders. And then, um, and then second and our second and third baseman. And it just, or maybe even better. I mean, it, it, I actually, no, I take it back. I like the way that I have that set up there. Just make, make more kind of, you know, and I'm kind of just going off Tom Tango's positional adjustments right there. Cause I mean, if you think about them value wise, it kind of makes sense. Left and right field. The only real difference is between your left fielder and your right fielder is that your right fielder has a stronger arm. That's really the difference. And obviously that's going to change from park to park, but as a whole left and right are the same center field and shortstop are obviously far more critical than any other, other surrounding positions. Second and third, I put them kind of equal. Not so much that I literally think that second and third are interchangeable, but when you think about the number of balls they have to face, <clears throat> um, a batter's more likely going to put one somewhat in the zone of shortstop. You know, the shortstop's going to see the most balls in play, and I'd argue that the third and the second baseman will see a similar number based on um, one, tendency to pull, and uh, two, number of batters that come across. And yeah, so... Well, I kind of make it just sound like I just it makes it sound as if I just gave more credit to the third baseman. But I think more players put balls up the middle or in that vicinity. So that's going to be more action for second and short, especially considering the double play. But then when you got then when you count for pull hitting as well for right handers, that's going to give a lot to third base. My point is, I if you can kind of see, you know, any string of logic there third and second aren't are going to see a, a good similar number of chances in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then first base is kind of its own cat completely. I mean, yes, you, you, you can almost compare left fielders and first baseman, but only sometimes, I mean, yes, Carlos Lee should not really be an outfielder, but at the same time, it's not as if he'd be a bang up first baseman. But then again, you also have your Prince fielders and your Ryan Howard's who literally should not be anywhere else in the field and probably shouldn't even be in the field, but it's a shame they're on a national league team. So they're kind of in a category of their own. And then catchers, you can't compare a catcher to any other position on the field. It just doesn't make sense. does not make sense. Well, <clears> so, to lump, so to lump some of these guys together, like center fielders and first basemen are about as far away from each other on the spectrum as you can possibly be. Well, hang on. This this brings up a question from my perspective because, again, I don't know the uh, the mathematics behind the, the Elias rankings. How much is defense really involved in there? Oh, none. They, I mean, unless, I mean, I, I do not think, and I might be wrong in this, so if somebody knows authoritatively on this, please correct me, but everything I have read so far, and I might just be forgetting it, but it's all been based on offensive stats and some weird convoluted <clears throat> mathematical formula that has really no basis in anything other than, like, arbitrary values. Well, I, I guess the question then is, why do you still think that second baseman and third baseman should be considered the same in that in, in that department? Because I think that third basemen are generally going to be a lot different type of offensive player than a second baseman. Well, true enough, but um, I, it's not as if a third baseman is a first baseman. It's not as if a second baseman is a shortstop. I mean, typically when you think about who can move to where when you need to juggle your infield, you know your shortstop can play anywhere on the infield, but your second baseman can't necessarily play shortstop and right. play with third. And obviously third can't necessarily play second, and second can't necessarily play third. Garrett so I'm not trying to equate them as far <laughs> – like I said, I'm not trying to equate them as far as interchangeability goes, but the shortstop is going to see your lion's share of the ground balls in the infield, and your first baseman is just an entirely different bird. Yeah, they're going to get a handful of chances, but really when you think about it, you don't. They don't get nearly as many fielding chances. I mean, as far as playing the ball off the bat, as as the, any of the other three infielders would. But you don't think that matters at all, or very little, with uh, the free agent rankings. 
Yeah, no. When I, I mean, because when when I say second and third, when I was talking about like fielding, I'm not saying quality of fielding because you could have an absolutely crap third baseman, but there's still a third baseman. As far as you know, it's what's written on their baseball card, you know, mm-hmm. and that's all they're really thinking about. So when you think of like scarcity of position, and we could go historical on this and make cases back and forth there, but as far as scarcity of position and where you want to, uh, you know, put more offense and sacrifice some defense, you wouldn't do it at shortstop ninety nine percent of the time, but you probably would think more about it at second or third than you would shortstop or say center field. Makes sense, yeah. And so that that's the only reason I am putting them together. I don't. I'm ninety nine percent sure. Well, I can't. I'll, let me back that back to about seventy-five percent sure that the Elias Sports Bureau does not take any kind of fielding metric into play. And if they do, like I said, count me wrong here, but it's probably just errors or fielding percentage or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Speaking of errors, you know what's kind of surprising this year, and I just realized this during the Red Sox series. That I looked up the numbers. Adrian Beltre leads the American League third baseman in errors. Yeah, Adrian he's, Beltre he's, is a he's, wizard at third base. He is. He's got a very positive <laughs> defensive reputation. And I, the thing is, his range. If you look at the advanced metrics, and you know, I still am not going to tout them as the uh, the end all of baseball fielding discussion. But fact is, is that Beltre still has range. Everybody's still seeing the range out of him. But his glove, but, but he's making so many. We saw throwing error against the Rockies just last weekend, and or was it this weekend? No, just this week. Holy moly, it's been a long couple of days. It has. Um, yeah, we saw Beltre throw that one away, and it makes me wonder what's going on because the guy has usually just a laser beam from third base. <clears throat> I don't know. Can we blame Ortiz for it or something? Um, well, you can if you want. <laughs> Maybe for that one, but uh, typically Euclid is catching his balls, so uh, uh-huh. and Ortiz is just sitting on the bench being like, what's up? I'm Big Poppy. <laughs> That's um, exactly what he does. He sits on the bench all day and just says, I'm Big Poppy. Okay, or as our uh, broadcast team would call him, Big Pappy. <laughs> that was really embarrassing for us. Uh, I I felt really really stupid reading all of the uh, Red Sox fans who you know, as obnoxious as they might be, at the very least, uh, we weren't we most certainly weren't pronouncing Poppy correctly. <laughs> well, on the flip side of the coin here, I mean, how many people on these did they at least? And I, I will be honest, I missed most of the Jimenez game. I was watching, but, like, I, I was keeping track on score updates and stuff like that, but I wasn't listening to the Red Sox broadcast. I'm wondering how many times they said Jimenez. Yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, Poppy is far easier to say than Jimenez, but, I mean, come on. If we're going to argue about getting names right, let's get the names right, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, now we're probably I'm probably making something out of nothing here, because I'm sure they did their homework and said Jimenez right, but, uh... Well, they certainly wouldn't be the first ones to get it wrong if they did get it wrong. Um, it is it is pretty inexcusable, though, to say pappy. I mean, is is it that hard for the American tongue to say things with Latin pronunciation? Well, is it, it that yeah, hard? I would, I would say it's more naivete than actual ignorance. They might uh, have, you know, actually, you know, just not really thought about it and thought that that's how it was supposed to be said. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I can't see that being possible. I'm being a casual AL East fan just because I'm a casual, you know, I follow a lot of baseball here. I know it's Big Poppy. Mm-hmm. And they get paid a whole pile more money than I do to say to, to know to, to know things like that, yeah. Um, so working our way back to De La Rosa, uh, is assu- again, assuming he gets one more rehab start, he should be back in a couple weeks um, or 10 days or so, something like that. Um, and 
as we know, as we've been much regular, as we've been regularly debating on the uh, on the comment sections recently, it's really going to be between Shasin and Cook in terms of who is on the uh, the the uh, on the on on the line there of being moved out of the rotation when that sort of movement happens. Now, of course, the obvious now, I know, setup I know, there. I know we- I know we have this queued up for discussion, but are you giving Jeff Francis the 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 safe card, the uh, the, the get out of jail free card for this? Yes. I mean, I, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to actually make a case against Francis. I just, if anything, I, I would just thinking how the organization thinks as far as loyalty to blah blah blah. You'd think that Cook would be the one to stay in the rotation, and maybe someone else would be on well, the and, bad side of things. And- also in favor of Cook is, and this is kind of the position I've been taking when people ask, you know, oh, well, obviously Cook should be the one who's cut. Well, it's not as easy to get rid of Cook as oh, it no. is to get rid of Shasin at all. Um, we say get rid of in the most loving tones as well. Yes, and I basically by get rid of, I mean remove from the rotation in some sense. Absolutely, yeah. Um, be- Shasin <laughs> can easily be optioned back down. And, I mean, I think people are correct when they say, especially after his performance today and his previous performance against the Red Sox, uh, both of which impressed me incredibly, you know, he's he's reached a point where he, he may not have found 100% of his form yet, but he has adjusted to the majors. It's the kind of thing where you wonder if he gets sent. I mean, in the event that we send Chassin down, it's not going to be because he is the odd man out necessarily or... Because well, we don't it, think there's it, room for him on the roster. It's because I would rather keep him starting. Because 2011, he's going to be pretty much penciled in. Unless, you know, somehow everybody signs ridiculous home team discounts. And right. Well, et cetera. It, in general, and we can talk about the, the 2011 kind of future of the rotation thing if we get there. But in general, you know, with Shasin, I don't think they'd even consider putting him in the pen. I mean, first of all, if we put somebody in the pen from the rotation, it's it would only be because we can't put them somewhere else because our our bullpen's already full too. Yeah, we have <laughs> a pretty. I mean, I mean, I'm playing like a sim league right now, just you know, on my own here. It's a ridiculous sim league. I just traded for Travis Snyder. I have Chase Utley at second. Todd Helton's still playing first base for some reason though, and uh, you get the you get the idea there. But my pen, my pen is just stacked top to bottom. And then Houston Street comes off the DL, and I'm like. You gotta be kidding me! I've, I've you gotta be kidding me! Yeah, I have I, to get rid of somebody. What? Some, somehow yeah. I traded Matt Merton Merton to the Padres. I don't know how I got Matt Merton back. I guess he didn't go to Japan in this in this world. But uh, I traded him to the Padres and just stole. I, I stole Joe Thatcher and uh, and uh, Luke Gregerson from their bullpen. <laughs> yeah, two high upside. Oh yeah, no, no. Who? Oh, and um. Oh, why did I just forget his name? It, it, mm, one of their one of their starters as well. Young starter doing well. Uh, not late, uh, not Latos, but one of their other Wade, guys. Wade um, LeBlanc. Not Wade LeBlanc. Uh, what's what's the other guy's name? That's where I'm stuck here. I, that, that's the one, I, we, we, I think we're thinking of the same person. Yeah, we are, because there's only I, one other one. I picked him up for a little while, and then I realized he was just kind of a San Diego special and uh, traded him off again, and the fan base hated me for it, because they are like, oh, wow, you got this guy in? Wow, that's so phenomenal. We're so his, happy right now. His name is right on the tip of my tongue, too. Yeah, I no, don't... I'm, uh, Final up San Diego's rotation. Let's, let's see if I can if I can beat you. I don't know anyways, if I can. Anyways, the entire point of this is is that uh, um, my pen was absolutely stacked as well, and I ended up having to send a very viable major league pitcher down 
to triple a just to make sure that he still got time and then just you know then turns out robinson tejada went on the d I, oh yeah i took kansas city's bullpen too clayton richard clayton got it. richard thank you clayton <laughs> richard oh i was inches away from there yeah clayton richard yeah but yeah it, it's when, when you got this many guys who are decently good and effective in your bullpen it's really tough to just say, oh, well, whatever, we'll just put him in the bullpen because it doesn't necessarily work like that. Mm-hmm. So well, we are. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and plus, I mean, bef- well, we can touch on, well, we got Taylor Buckholtz coming back too, and we'll obviously talk about him just a little bit here. But uh, it's not that easy. I think just seeing going down would be, it, it just, if we're not thinking about anything else than easy, uh, ease of roster movement, it's just seeing. Goodbye. Right. Well, and, it, and ease, ease in business transactions just in general. Uh, because, you know, people have been saying, you know, kind of, you know, absurdly, they've been saying, oh, let's, well, we have to get rid of Cook, obviously. He's uh, only, let's trade him for Carlos Zambrano or Mm -hmm. some craziness like that. Speaking of that, let's say no to Zambrano for anybody. I I don't see how we can not say no to Zambrano. First of all, he's a gigantic jerk. Pick people in the team that he has not picked a fight with and just, you know, ostracized himself. He's made himself... He's fought, with, he's fought with Lee. He's fought with, like, every catcher who ever caught him. He's uh, fought with the Gatorade cooler. Yes. He yes, took yes. a bat to their Gatorade cooler, which is funny because I uh, I don't remember if it's the Onion or just another sports uh, parody site, but they were talking to one of the uh, – <laughs> they are doing a serious interview, and the guy – it was one of the clubhouse guys. He didn't realize that this was just a joke. And so they're asking, like, you know, so how long do you think the Gatorade cooler is going to be out? And asking about DL time and stuff like that, and the guy's like – um, no, we've gotten this beat up a little bit before here. I think we'll have it up in a few days here. And <laughs> like, right, how do you think this is going to affect the team? Are they going to have to go to a strictly bottled source of Gatorade? And they're like, well, yeah, we'll have whatever they want to drink in the coolers. It'll be okay. And I laughed pretty hard at that. Point is, Carlos Zambrano, gigantic jerk. And if we're not only is he a gigantic jerk, he's owed what a hundred million dollars still, maybe eighty something like he's, that. He's, he's owed forty five, but he was signed to ninety seven. And he, he, I believe, if he just if, signed a big boy extension a couple years back, he would easily, easily be our most, our highest paid player immediately. If he yeah. were, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I read he only has 47 million left. Uh, but I, I, I got his, I got his page up here. Let's scroll back a little ways here. He's getting paid eighteen eight seven five this year, which Eight. is uh, nobody is getting right. paid that much, and. and even, go three years down the road. Nobody is getting paid that much till. Mm-hmm. Even I mean, Todd Helton's. This is it's next year when the uh, the cheap year kicks. Cheap years kick in, right? Cheapish, or, cheaper. But, yeah. Okay, <laughs> the Todd Helton discount years kick in next season, right? That's the point. And so Tulowitzki's uh, pay his contract isn't going to escalate near that. Um, I mean, granted, at the time of signing, it was the second highest contract paid to a one year player since Grady. The first being Grady or. Uh, no, it was the highest. The next, the next highest was Grady Sizemore, and and then Ryan Braun cracked that one wide open. But uh, yeah, you you take a look at Tulowitzki. The highest he gets guaranteed is ten million, uh, with fifteen million as an option, and then with Jimenez, uh, it's similarly low. But just so, for the fun of this, let's take a look at this. Just just for the sake of exploration, he was, and I'm looking at Baseball Reference here. I don't have uh, the Fangraphs war up, but uh, it, it's gonna be uh. The numbers are going to be pretty open or pretty similar either way. 2007, he got paid 12.4 million, finished fifth in the Cy Young voting, but he's only a 2.9 WAR pitcher. Mm-hmm. That's not worth the money. 2008, he got paid 16 million dollars. He's an All Star, won a Silver Slugger. 
Here's a 3.2 R pitcher. It's it, it's one of those things where you really got to start rationalizing things like, oh, well, his war made him worth it. You can make other arguments. 2.7 the next year, I'd pay 18.75. There's no rationalizing that. This year, he is below replacement level, and he's getting 18, paid almost $19 million. Think about this, Rockies fans who are listening. Do you really want to first bring – I mean, yes, he's fiery, but like your Vittorial was fiery in the good way. Like he'd get really emotional. He'd fist pump. He'd he'd scamper and 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 do other things like that and be Latin. And you get the <laughs> idea. He, he was en fuego, as we like to put it. That does not equate with Carlos Zambrano's fiery meaning. I'm a gigantic head case and a complete jerk. Let's flip this around a little bit here. Milton Bradley is the same thing. Actually, I, I will disagree with you on that. I think they're different. No, Milton Bradley is just as big of a jerk, but he is not Latin, so he's not fiery. He's just a big jerk. Uh, I don't know any of these people well enough to pretend that I know their personalities, but I think that Milton Bradley has more psychological problems and is therefore just unable to control himself, whereas the personality of Zambrano is just – he's always that way. You know – People have said nice things about Milton Bradley as a teammate. They say, oh, he's perfectly normal until he snaps. Nobody likes Zambrano ever. Okay, that, I'll, I'll take that. That's, I was about to say, so far you've said that the same thing. We're just putting different words to it. But if, if Zambrano is a big jerk all the time, and I, you're right, I have heard the thing saying, yeah, I don't see anything wrong with Milton Bradley. Like with the Mariners earlier this year, they're absolutely in the tank right now, which kind of makes me sad for them. Yeah, they, saw, they, they, they saw, had some, some high hopes for them, yeah. Well, I mean, no one anticipated that Sean Figgins was going to come out and fall flat in his face as far as batting goes. I mean, it's not as if he was a slugger who's taken advantage of the power alleys in, in, in Anaheim. He, he's an on-base speed kind of guy who has some, you know, enough pop to supplement that on base, but he's not like a big slugger. And then he comes in and he just can't do anything right. I mean, don't tell me that's just Safeco. So th- there's no way that Jack Z could have figured this out for Seattle. Anyways. They're also being touted as like the most fun team ever invented because I mean you had Griffey, you had Mike Sweeney, Eric Burns, Ichiro who who suddenly becomes fun when he's around Ken Griffey, and all these <laughs> other fun guys on the team. And they're talking about how they played a uh, had like a slow pit softball game or a rag ball game or a wi- no, it was a wiffle ball game. That's what it was. But they all had to bat, uh, switch, and switch, and they had to. Uh, like run run to third base rather than first base, and the game was just made of silliness. But Milton Bradley was managing one of the two the two squads there, and and I was reading this article, and it was just the silliest stuff ever. Like Milton Bradley is making fun of himself by you know picking a fight with the umpire and stuff like uh-huh. that as a manager. And it, it, I mean, it does sound like he is an okay teammate, but you're absolutely right. I, and I uh, he he does have problems, which is very sad. So that and it's made him bounce around a lot, which makes me kind of surprised that the Cubs. I mean, okay, I take it back. I'm not surprised at all the Cubs have dealt with it because the Cubs are stupid. And I'm sorry for any Cubs fans offended, but Jim Henry is not a good general manager. And he, I, I wouldn't hate the Cubs so much if if they weren't run so awfully. But not, there's no reason in the in the world to bring Carlos Zambrano onto this team. I I like our Gatorade coolers where they are. I mean, I'm not too worried about him, you know, hurting our tender sensibilities. I just think he's going to be a giant jerk. And within two months, everybody's going to be like, why on earth do we bring this guy in here? This guy is terrible. And not to mention the the uh, the already discussed uh, financial chaos that would throw us into. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's, there's just no positive here. 
pitcher for pitcher is not necessarily the way to go. Based on what they've done so far, do you really think that Carlos Umbra? I mean, he's been demoted to the bullpen for the love of Pete. I mean, yeah. <laughs> do we really think that he is going to perform better than Yolis Chasin just because he's fiery? That's well, I, I, I think I think the people who are suggesting this are somehow under the impression that he'd be replacing Aaron Cook. Well, I mean, well, let's think if we, I'm. Blah, 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 blah. I don't think Aaron Cook is that much worse than Zambrano either. He's I, not. He's not worse. He's, he's better. Not, no, exactly. <laughs> and, and and I know we're talking. I mean, I brought up Chasin too, just to say for the fact, if we're going to talk about someone to replace Aaron Cook, we have Jolie's Chasin. We keep in dump Cook to the pen or something. We have to, and I know we'll, we'll make it work if that's the case. But right. Don't bring somebody else. I mean, don't. Do, we're not just going to make a straight up trade. I would rather disassemble the bullpen and DFA someone. Then bring someone else in unless it's like one of those video game trades like I mentioned earlier where you trade away Matt Merton and all of a sudden people are opening their bullpens to you. Mm-hmm. It, no, 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 no. Just just no. No, no, no. No Zambrano on my team. No. End of story. Agreed That's, 100%. <laughs> so as, so what do we do then? I mean I, I make my vote right here. If we need – if De La Rosa is guaranteed the rotation slot when he's eligible to come Which back up, we send down Jacine. That that is my opinion. I will stand on that because I don't. I mean, Cook has not been great. I'm not trying to pretend that he has been great, but look at his last. I mean, you look at his first few starts in uh, up to end of May. He was sporting a five ERA, and it's not much better right now. So I'm not trying to pretend that it's not better. But um, up till then, he'd had exactly one game where he'd thrown more than thir- gotten more than 13 ground balls. And that was his complete game. Uh, one run win over Florida, where he got 19. Since he came back. Let's see. He got destroyed by – not destroyed, but he had a, another odd game where he gave up all fly balls and no ground balls against Arizona. But his four starts, including yesterday, uh, let's see, 19 ground balls. Let's see, starting with yesterday, going back, 18, 13, 14, 19. Which and, is much more along with what we'd expect from him. He was and, having he was having clear mechanical troubles there for a while, yeah. but he's uh, he seemed to have improved. And if you look at his uh, fly balls, he hasn't allowed, except for that one start at the beginning of June. And I'm not trying to exclude that. I mean, his season kind of speaks for itself right now. But as far as long, if we're going to talk about improvement and possible, you know, just he lives and dies by the ground ball. That's how it goes. Um, he's allowed no more than seven since June 9th in, his, in those four starts there. So that ground to fly ratio is what we want to see out of Aaron Cook. And we think, well, what about the home runs? He's allowed one home run in those past four starts. And that was the one yesterday that, uh, the salami off of uh, Matsui, right? Um, so pa- past which, that, which was which you know bolstered his stats even more in the negative direction. It, inf- it inflated them a bit, yeah. Right, inflated is, is basically the word I was looking for because you know other than the home run itself, he would had a lot of bad luck in that inning. So I'm not trying to pretend that he. I mean, he's kind of. I mean, it's funny actually in that game: 14 ground balls, three fly balls, two line drives against Minnesota. That was the game where he could not find a hole. Or you know, the ball, any, any hole that was able to be found, the ground balls found it. He could not find a glove, is what I meant to say. Right. So I mean, live by the ground ball, die by the ground ball. I the reason I think we keep Aaron Cook over Chasin, not just because Chasin is more easy to move, but I mean, if Cook is getting ground balls, there's a good chance you're going to get six innings out of him. In fact, those last four starts, um, let's see, seven innings, and then he had his three and out inning stinker in Minnesota, and then seven innings, and then eight innings. Worst case scenario, he's eating innings at the back of the bull of the rotation. And That's if it, 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 as long as his sinkers and and ground ball inducing ways are catching up to him, 
at the very least, you can expect more of a return to the norm, and you're going to see the defense being able to kick it back and uh, defend him again. And if uh, you give me six or seven, uh, you know, you know, passable Grin and Barrett innings, I think that is, I mean, that's going to be okay if De La Rosa can come back as dominant because we'll be making up for the the, the gap between Cook and Chassin will be made up by De La Rosa, assuming De La Rosa comes back in anything remotely resembling, uh, you know, beginning of the season form. Right. Now, we can shift to the bullpen for a little bit because I'll just go ahead and make my point. I agree with you that I would not be particularly uh, angry if it ends up being Chassin that's demoted. I would consider the idea of seeing what, would happen if we somehow move Cook to the pen in a long relief role, if like some miraculous opportunity to say trade Franklin Morales happened. You know, that would be something where I you, you can't expect something like that to suddenly occur. But if it did, you know, it's not an option that I would turn down necessarily. Who people cares, have been, right? go, go ahead. ahead. Well yeah, I was finish, about, finish your point. I was about to say that some people have a real fear about Cook in the pen because he's not really a relief type pitcher. But, you know, in the long relief role where he's pitching where we're, you know, down five or ahead five about 75% of the time, you know, that's that I would be comfortable with that. I guess I just don't see Aaron Cook ever going back to the pen. He hasn't been in the pen since like 2003, I don't think. Well, and I believe it was 2000, 2004 where he went down with blood clots. 2005 where he came back. 2006 he had a good season. 2007 he had the. Uh, um, I think it was a strained oblique. 2008, he had a very good year. 09, he kind of crapped out a little bit. But uh, and hey, here we are, 2010. Point is, that's like six, seven years there with uh, I am a starting pitcher. Right. Which you know it is not completely a reason to eliminate the the possibility. People move, tr- give people a chance to go in the pen all the time. And now I. I, I I, I just want to make it clear, I'm not necessarily arguing that this is the best choice of action, it's just something that I would consider were the pieces in place for us to be able to do that, which I don't think they are, because I don't think any team is going to take Franklin Morales right now, and I also think that you know leaving Cook in the rotation is not necessarily a bad idea. I just yeah. will miss, I, the only problem is I would miss having Chassin in the rotation. And I would miss Chassin in the rotation as well, but it's not as if he is going away. It I don't like the idea of cooking the pen because I don't trust Jim Tracy to use him right. Mm. He's going to bring him in to get two quick ground balls, and it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to uh, – this, that isn't meant to be an indictment of Cook's ground ball getting ability. It's meant to be an indictment of that, – That's or, just or, not or, how it works. Yeah. It's not how it works. It's not like Cook is just a magical ground ball exactly. inducer. But he, he's the kind of guy who needs to get into a groove. Ground ball pitchers got to get into a groove. It's, I mean, I've heard people say, I think it was actually might have been Drew and George, that they're, they're like when ground ballers go on short rest because they're dead armed. Mm-hmm. Cook doesn't need to have live, fiery stuff that swoops across the strike zone. And he needs to move two inches when the guy thinks he's got it squared up and he tops it. And a dead arm will do that. I mean, it, it'll keep the ball low and all that good stuff there. I mean, then again, that's also providing he's not suddenly going to, I have to overthrow everything because we've seen that happen when. Uh, Cook sinker hasn't been working too, trying to overthrow things and ended up, uh, you know, missing outside and up, up all the time. Right. So I like the idea of Cook coming in in relief role because, like I like I just said, I think Trace will use him to get out of innings, which is a poor idea. Um, even if he is meant to be a long man, I just right. He, he would be he would be not, the uh, the the ground the ground is a double play specialist. Yeah, we we then that's. Blah, blah, blah. 
No, just, right. just I, I can't. If he he almost needs that first inning to get all work all the kinks out and kind of just shake all everything all, off on his arm and then just start grooving in. Right. And and you can't do that coming out of the pen quite as easily, at least not in my estimation. Which is I I agree with you there. I mean, uh, I think ultimately we we're, we're going to end up with Shasin being demoted, and you know at the very least we can have Cook take over the fifth starter role. Uh, in the second half of the season after the all-star break. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be, I, people have been saying, you know, Oh, we've all been spoiled by having, you know, a fantastic fifth starter last season in Jason Hamill. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, cook as a fifth starter, you can do worse. Oh yeah. No, there's a lot of teams that would kill to have a guy like cook as their, uh, number five, man. I mean, typically your number five is reserved for your journeyman, your Josh Fogg type, your, uh, your guy is going to come in and give you six uninspired innings and, you know, give the pen a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Well, we're already at 33 minutes. Um, let's talk real quickly about Taylor Buckholtz. Um, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm worried about Buckholtz still. And I don't think he's in, I, I don't think they're going to activate him before the break. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, he, this is his, what, third go at a rehab assignment this year. It's been his best one at the very least. Uh, he's yeah. had, he's had two, uh, two scoreless outings since he came back. Uh, he pitched yes, or he pitched today rather, but yesterday being listened to on Monday, he pitched on Sunday, uh, one inning, uh, one hit given up in one K. Um, you know, it's hard to tell with a reliever just how good that is, but you know, you can compare it to say Houston streets rehab, which where he was touched around a lot, but still wasn't really walking people. So, yeah. Um, the question there becomes again, you know, what happens in the pen? Matt Daly's already squeezed out. You know, he's technically injured right now, but he's not going to be coming back until somebody gets hurt or September. Um, so Morales. I, I mean, much as it seemed like the obvious choice is DFA Flores. No, it's gotta be Morales. Well, I have well, zero Flores, faith. Flores has been getting, I mean, he's been getting legitimately decent. I mean, before he was pitching in a lot of low key situations and, you know, he's been doing great. I always have a soft spot for him, but I was prepared for him to be designated for assignment. But now at this point, I absolutely agree with you. It is still a shame that there's a reasonable chance we're going to have to get rid of, I mean, look, talking about Morales' talent is one thing. Talking about his team control is another thing because it should make him valuable. Uh, it would be nice if we somehow managed to unload him for something. But like I said before when we were talking about possibly moving Cook there, I just don't expect that to happen. No. I mean, it, it, I hate talking about Franklin Morales, just just for the record, because it, it frustrates me so much. I mean, it's like a, one of our users came into the message board and said – uh came to the comment section and said that well everybody else sees a um a head case like I do he says I don't give up on a lefty who can you know throw 95 unless we you know literally catch him in the middle of a gigantic drug smuggling ring or something a, a more uh you know more sketchy than that you know uh-huh so but 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 it makes me frustrated because Oh, I don't. I, I guess at the time, like 2007 came up, heroics, all that. 2008, he was clearly not major league ready. It's like he cashed. It's like we cashed Morales's career in for the World Series. You know what? I'm not horrifyingly against that. I just wish that we'd had the foresight. And there's no way we could have predicted, you know, Jason Hamill coming a year later and being as good as he has been for us, or anything like that. But I wish we had seen the writing on the wall and said, okay. We're going to uh, 
say Morales is a top flight pitching prospect. He's just trying to figure out his control. Once he gets there, he's going to be a stud for you. Uh, give us all your other prospects now. Right. And make or, or hey, give us a real second baseman. How's that sound? Although then again, 2008, we had the weird Jeff Baker, Ian Stewart, Clinton Barmas, second base extravaganza. Don't forget Jason Jay- Nix. Okay, featuring actually, Jason Nix, whose first major Jason league, <laughs> whose first major league RBI came before his first major league hit. He walked in a run. Uh-huh. He was walked to drive in a run, I should say. Right. Well, um, yeah, it's certainly going to yeah. be harder to, to to offload him now than it would have been in 08. Now, a lot of people would criticize the mo- fact that we moved into him to the bullpen at all. I really don't fall into that category. I think it was the right decision to make at the time, and I think it's the right decision to keep him there now. But and he, trading, he's got, he's got this, him as a, Go ahead. I just want to say Morales has the straight-up stuff to be a lockdown reliever. I don't think he's ever going to have the straight-up stuff to be a starting pitcher ever again. He just he, he works too many highest counts and walks too many guys to really be an effective starter. He's the kind of guy who you'd better have your Matt Belisles and your you know your your long man ready because he's going to get out of the fourth, maybe the fifth, if you put him back in the rotation. Right. And who knows what the actual runs run total will be at that point. Well, I think at this time, whoever Buckholtz replaces is going to be whether you know, it's going to be between Flores and Morales. You know. We we would obviously criticize them for for not choosing Morales at this point, or at least you would for sure. But uh, you know, I would not be surprised at all if they chose to keep his upside over Flores. I I can see that he's young and all that, but I mean, this is his last option year, right? Uh, technically, Morales does not have options anymore. Trace Winkle okay, keeps keeps saying he does, but I really look. I'm not an insider like he is, but I can definitely count the options, and Morales has been optioned in three different years. So. If he magically somehow has an option year yet that we somehow were able well, to... Then it's obvious. Then it's obvious. Then dump him. Yeah. I'm not, I, I, I hate the thought of waving him just because somebody's going to see that exact, you know, lefty that throws 95 and hasn't been involved in major drug rings. Well, what Let's else go- are we going to do? We can't, we, we either designate him for assignment or release him. I mean, there's nothing else we can do. Oh, yeah, do. yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And that does make Flores the more likely option because, I mean, the idea of lefty pitching is always going to be a big deal, but, uh, <clears throat> um... Right now we have three of them, and it's going to be a lefty that leaves, and it's not going to be Bimal. No, so, Bimal's been, just, Bimal's been too good. I mean, yeah. You know, his act, whatever. Bible's been too good. He's out of the he's out of the picture. Um, I don't. I I guess I just think about Flores' six hundred thousand dollar contract. Right. Six hundred. And, and, and we course. and we. Go ahead. I just want to say we owe that. Well, we will owe him that money, if we DFA him and somebody. Or, or, or hopefully, someone will pick him up if we did DFA him. I guess. And I don't know. I guess I'm thinking in terms of releasing because if he gets DFA, there's a chance he'll be back up, barring if someone gets hurt or something like that. But right, he would be passed through waivers, and if he cleared, there's a uh, possibility that he'd stick. But yeah, I mean, you, know? you, think, you think cost effectiveness? And I mean, if you're looking for a guy to come in and get one, I mean, I think Morales could still have an upside as a loogie. But I mean, you brought him in against Prince Fielder uh, last Saturday against in the Brewers game, and he walked him on four pitches. It was just a complete waste of bringing a pitcher in. Right. And I mean, granted, Prince Fielder is one of the hardest lefties to pitch to because he is so darn good. But I mean, you bring in your your Jim Edmonds or whoever, and yeah, Morales will probably get him out. Mm-hmm. But past that, I mean, you bring up anyone else, and you're you're done for. The minute the guy gets on first base, it, it, he's done. He can't get around it. it. 
I guess I would take Flores despite the lower the I mean he is what he is at this point, and Morales still has you know that mythical upside, right? But would Flor if Flores gives up a hit or walks a guy, he's not immediately gonna balk and then freak out. He's gonna, you know, who know? I mean, he might stink or he might get the next guy out. But the point is, it won't be because he, you know, suddenly just his marbles all come out of the sack. He's mm-hmm. he's gonna he, he's not gonna freak out. And I guess I would rather keep a more stable left-hander than the fiery, I can't do this anymore left-hander. Right. And it's, it's it, once again, sad because he could have been so much better. And I don't think it's anything that we did to ruin him. It's, it's just too bad, you know? Right. Well, let's take a, just a quick look to wrap up at the, at the upcoming schedule. Uh, we're going to be playing in the division again for the next week. We're going to San Diego for three games to wrap up the month. And then we play a series at home, a four-game series against San Francisco. Now, as I uh, as has been pointed out by a couple people on the comments section, I think Rhode Island Rocks fan pointed this out. Uh, we have four more series against San Diego left this season, and two of them are in the next two weeks. Um, these are being that they have continued; they've surged out of the gate and they've continued to win. These are important games, especially since we seem to be one of the only teams that can beat San Diego this season. And they, they still kind of make me apprehensive because we're doing this thing still. We're making like, I mean, Joe Saunders, I was talking to Angels fans on, on another message board and they were just like, can we shoot Joe Saunders out of a cannon and possibly into the deepest part of the ocean huh. and things along, you know, similarly silly things like that. And Joe Saunders beat us. I mean, Come on, guys. Seriously, it's Joe Saunders. He's not that good. And it's the same kind of thing with the Padres. Yes, their pitching has been good, but it's it's the kind of pitching that makes you think these guys are just, especially like guys like Garland. I mean, you're thinking they are just, you know, one bad inning away from just, you know, the whole thing wrecking. One bad road trip or, heck, even a bad, a bad homestand would be better because it would wreck everything for them, their confidence and such. But, uh... They just these are the kind of guys that they're not Lincecums, they're not Jimenez's, they're not Hallidays, they're not Johnsons, and they're coming out and um, we're underestimating them. And all of a sudden, we got six strikeouts in four six strikeouts in four innings, and we look like trash against these B-list pitchers. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes me terrified about San Diego. They might only need two runs to win the game because we can't seem to hit anyone. Right. Except well, the Red Sox. <laughs> here, well, and, and uh, like, really good pitchers, like yeah, Roy Halladay. Yeah. <laughs> Go for um, I just want to get run through. We're going to face a lot of good young pitchers in the next week. Uh, we're starting off tomorrow with Kevin Correa, who has been the weakest part of the, Sa- the San Diego uh, rotation. But after that, we're facing Wade LeBlanc and Clayton Richard. I guess we skipped Matt Latos, which is a, a, a plus. But uh, uh, LeBlanc and Richard have both been very good. And then we go into uh, San Francisco, and we start off facing Madison Bumgarner, which is going to be interesting. Um, and then after that, we get Lincecum, Zito, and Kane. <laughs> Our Lincecum favorite just, three giants. We've beaten Lincecum. Yeah. The Red Sox just lit Lincecum today. And uh I, I mean I'm I still think Lincecum has a good chance of kicking the pants off of us, but uh I mean we're, fu- we're I think we're adjusting. Uh-huh. But I think we jazz ourselves up for Lincecums and holidays and like I said earlier, we uh we're underestimating the the Latoses and the Richards and all those guys. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, I mean, like Matt Cain's gonna own us somehow. I just know it. Just write it down, Matt Cain, kick our butts. Well, I'm actually, I'm actually more worried about Zito. He seems to just oh yeah, no, same thing. Zito. Uh, he, our team cannot hit his type of pitcher. Period. Yeah, uh, so the, the soft throwing junk ballers. I mean, I remember '07 <laughs> went to the World Series. We were a team that could hit junk ballers, and that's all we could hit. We could hit everything but the fastball. We were one of the we we're one of the worst teams, and at least as far as the scouts said. We weren't a good fastball hitting team, and they were bringing you no know, Beckett against us, and 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 Schilling and good fastball pitchers who could you know locate well and all that. And we right. obviously lost the World Series. But uh, now, I mean, it seems if you bring in a guy who throws only ninety-one miles an hour tops out, but can you know sneak curveballs in and drop sliders, we're reaching, we're swinging under everything, we're we're just getting fooled. I mean, a gust of wind comes across, and we're we don't know what to do with ourselves. Also, and, unfortunately, we uh, we wound up planting Jimenez tomorrow against Correa, so we're not going to have him again. Uh, well, wait, let's see. Who who does that mean he's going to face next? Is it going to be Zito? It'd be nice to have him face Zito, seeing how much trouble we have with Zito. Although, knowing the way things will go, we'll tag Zito for six runs and two innings, and and Bibaldo will pitch eight meaningless innings because we'll have the game wrapped up in the third. It is good. It, it is going to be Zito because uh, against San Francisco, we'll have Cook against Bumgarner. We'll have uh, uh, Chassin against Linscombe. If it so. gets us, if it gets us a win, it gets us a win. And yeah, terror. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's it's we're kind of getting to do or die time here. Yes, we're still a strong second half team, and insert all the you know superstitious caveats we have but i don't i mean i can't think of anything better to say than we just got to start getting this done well and i you know i don't want to sound like i'm foolishly making excuses for the team here they have not performed as well as they need to but like i always want to remind people at the very least we've done more than stay afloat through areas where our performance our offensive performance and our injuries together could easily have produced a below 500 team. Oh yeah yeah yeah. No I'm I'm not try- I'm not hating on the team nearly as much as it might sound. It it does get frustrating. I mean I, I'm trying to, I'm getting to the point now where I'm just kind of like take it easy, just don't care, you know, enjoy the game. If they win, they win. If they don't, they don't and stuff like that. I mean it's it's not doesn't make for the most impassioned writing, but uh well here we are. Yeah. You have anything else? Uh, I think we about tapped me out for the day. Yeah, I, I uh, a rock pile. Wait, sorry. What'd you say? I still got to write a rock pile. Oh, nice. Um, well, uh, I think that about wraps that up then on behalf of myself and Andrew. We'll see you next week. Take care.